stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. One of the things in greater Philadelphia that really sets us apart in many ways is our infrastructure. And typically when we think about infrastructure, we think about highways and airports and our waterways. But one of the infrastructure assets we have here that we often take for granted is our infrastructure around energy, a piping system and technology today that's really advancing the work that our utilities and our energy professionals can perform. And we're really thrilled on this edition of Growing Greater Philadelphia to be focusing on one of the largest municipal-owned gas work organizations in the country. And we're thrilled to have with us the president and CEO of PGW, the Philadelphia Gas Works, Craig White. Craig, it's great to have you with us. Matt, it's great to be here. So, Craig, I mentioned that PGW is one of the largest municipal gas organizations in the country, but I'm actually not sure how accurate that is. And I'd love for you to share with us the context of how we in Greater Philadelphia stack up. But it might be important to start out with What is PGW, and how do you describe PGW to the average person that you meet? Well, the easy way to describe it is that we are a municipal gas company owned by the city of Philadelphia. All of our assets are owned by the city of Philadelphia, and we operate under a separate management agreement. We have a board of directors, which is made up of seven individuals. They are all appointed by the mayor. We have a local gas commission, the Philadelphia Gas Commission, which is made up of two council members, the city controller, two appointees of the mayor. They have a staff. They have an executive director. They have other members of the staff. We also have, obviously, when it comes to our regulation, the Public Utility Commission that oversees us. And is that Public Utility Commission also a city-controlled organization, if you will, or is that state? No, that's state. Right. PUC, Pennsylvania Utility Gotcha. And share with us what I would call some of the numbers, some of the facts and figures. How many folks does PGW employ and how many families and folks do we serve? Well, first, just to finish your earlier question, there are over 600 municipal natural gas utilities in the country. We are the largest by almost twofold. In other words, the second largest municipal gas utility is about half PGW size. So we're a sizable organization. We have about 520,000 customers, and we have somewhere around 1,650 employees. Wow. That is a sizable organization. And I want to get into some of the nuts and bolts, if you will, of PGW, but I do want to back up a little bit because... I love the story of Craig White, and you've been at PGW for coming up now on 40 years. And if you could, take us back to your high school time, and you're getting ready to embark on your next journey in life as you graduate high school. What vision, if you had any, as an 18-year-old junior or senior in high school, and you're thinking about navigating your next career path? Because ultimately, I want to get to how you found yourself in the chair that you're in today leading PGW. Well, Matt, I grew up in Upper Southampton, which is in Bucks County. I went to William Tennant High School. And when I was 18, I probably had no clue as to what I wanted to. Matter of fact, I know I had no clue. Sounds pretty Um, normal, actually, right? (laughs) It does. Judging from some of the younger people that I know, it's probably pretty consistent. But, you know, there are some people that really have an idea what they want to do. I was not one of them. Right. And I looked at colleges. My dad took me around. We looked at other universities in the region. And I just thought Kutztown was a good fit. I went up to Kutztown. I walked on as a uh, 
football player at Kutztown. I played football up there for four years, which was a lot of fun. Nice. All 10 people that came out and watched us had a good time, but it was a great experience. And after college, I came back home. I actually went back to Centennial School District and I worked in the business office and I helped coach in, uh, I guess it was 1978, the uh, football program. And then uh, just shortly after that, about a year and a half later, I got a position at Philadelphia Gas Works. And uh, the unique thing is my father started at Philadelphia Gas Works in 1939. Yeah. And we overlapped 10 months. That's incredible. So he was there 41 years, and I'm in my 40th right now. Wow, that's really incredible. So we like to, we like to call PGW a family, and uh, there's a lot of folks like myself who have relatives and family members at PGW, but more and more uh, we're seeing a workforce that's extremely diverse, and we reflect the demographics of the city of Philadelphia. I want to go back again to Kutztown. That's an interesting point. Business major, it sounds like, at Kutztown. Correct. Now, clearly, four years into your college career, you had a little bit more clarity around what you may have wanted to do. Perhaps. I'm half kidding. But, you know, you graduate Kutztown. Was PGW part of your potential equation for a career path? Because your dad, 41 years of PGW, you must have talked about it at the kitchen table and at backyard barbecues and things like that. No, actually, the only time PGW came up was my freshman year that first semester, and I won't tell you what my cum was, but my father said to me at that time that he uh, might be able to get me in as a meter reader, but he wasn't sure if I had the aptitude for it. But other than that, I really didn't think much of PGW. Right. My plan was to come out of school and had a uh, BS in business administration, so I was a pretty general degree, but I wanted to get into some business and, uh, mm-hmm. and look for uh, an opportunity in a future. Now, As you know, folks in my age bracket, we have a tendency to want stability, and I guess I'd be a good reflection of that staying at the company for 40 years. That's not what we see today. We see a lot of folks that want to be very mobile. The only thing I can say on that front is if you do stay with a company, you want to look for other opportunities within that organization to expand your experiences, and that's what I tried to do. I always tried to look for that opportunity in the organization that was dealing with something unique. So you find yourself at PGW as a 23 or so year old, I suspect, right? Correct. What was your first role? And was it something that you thought, wow, this is perfect. I love what I'm doing and I can see myself staying here for the next 40 years. Actually, my first job was the title, I believe, was accounting specialist. Okay. And I worked in the office of the uh, vice president of finance, but don't let that deceive you. I had you know, no idea of what was expected and what I needed to know. But I found it to be very interesting. At that time, when I started, we didn't have desktop computers. We had programmable calculators. Mm-hmm. That was high tech if you had one of those. And we shortly thereafter put computers on the desk and we started to get involved in a lot of scenario planning, financial planning, and modeling of different scenarios. So that's where I started in the organization. And you know, when you model scenarios, you usually get to see what some individuals see once a year because you know they're doing the actual job right. whereas when you model it you can see 50 scenarios you can try 50 different combinations of things and you can determine and learn a lot quicker in a much more efficient kind of way sure that makes good sense so craig one of the reasons i wanted to circle around some of the background here is you've seen a lot of changes you've seen a lot of evolution going from a programmable computer or a programmable calculator to you know desktop computers to now so much more sophistication when it comes to technology and i want to get your perspective on 
how the industry has evolved, how it's continuing to change. And when I say the industry, I don't mean the business side of it, but I mean the technology related to securing and distributing gas to ensure that families of Philadelphia have a reliable access to affordable, safe, natural gas to heat their homes and run their businesses. Well, I like to say to people that a utility is an amalgamation of about seven different companies. We have a construction company, that's the fellas you see, running the jackhammers, the backhoes, digging up the street. We have an HVAC company, that's the individuals that actually go into the house and work on your heater or turn your meter yep. you know, on or hang the meter. We also have a small law firm. We have a call center that employs with the back office about 300 people. So we have a variety. We have a very large processing plant, which we have liquefied natural gas, and we also run all of the uh, pipeline gas through our system into those plants before it then is distributed throughout the city. So we're a grouping of a number of companies, and that's what a utility is. That's it in a nutshell, right. So as these kind of evolutions occur, you referenced LNG, liquid natural gas. Is that something that's new to the industry? How is that different than what type of gas was being accessed and distributed in 1980, for example? Well, we've had liquefied natural gas as a critical part of our system since the late 1970s. Actually, the first plant, I believe, was built in 72. So I started at the company January 2nd of 1980. At that time, the LNG facilities we have today were built and in operation. And quite frankly, we believe by doing the math, if we had to reserve space on the interstate pipelines to bring that gas here that we today store in that LNG facility and then bring it out of the LNG and serve our customers in the winter, we've saved over $2 billion by that decision in the early 1970s. Wow, that's impressive. So that asset's been critical to our operation and to the security of supply. PGW is one of the more secure operations with respect to our ability to serve customers. We have not only that LNG, but we can actually serve all of our customers off of one of two interstate pipelines. We have two interstate pipelines. The one is the Williams Pipeline. The other is Enbridge. And these two pipelines have served Philadelphia for decades. Mm. And we actually can serve the entire city. If one of those pipelines goes down, we can actually serve the entire city off the other pipeline. That's and a good vice backup. versa. Yeah, good backup plan. So I want to come back to something you mentioned before about planning. So clearly, PGW, whether it was intentional or not, I suspect it was, back in 1970s, was thinking about the future. How do we anticipate growth? How do we think about technology and implementing it so that we can be a much more efficient, affordable organization and had the foresight and the wherewithal to invest in these, at the time, new LNG facilities that today are really paying off in the long run, if you will. So if you can, share with us where will PGW be in you know, the next 10, 15, 20 years from now as you're anticipating your business planning? I like to tell people I've seen more change in the last five years than I saw in the previous 35. And I expect that the next five years, I will see more change than I've seen in the last five. So we believe that our business is growing and changing, and it will continue to do so. Obviously, we have customers that expect more and expect it in a more timely fashion. 
meaning information about their bill, information about how they're using gas. Are there ways that I can use gas more efficiently? Are there ways that I can you know, reduce my gas bill? That and the fact that folks today are very environmentally conscious. And we hope to be a big part of that. And we believe we will be a big part of that for many decades to come. That being said, we're certainly aware of the fact that if things like battery technology increase to the point where we can store solar at a reasonable price, or we can store power developed from wind at a reasonable price, we'll be moving more in that direction as a country and as a region. But as it stands right now, natural gas is a critical component in the infrastructure. And it's critical to this point. The security of supply is so great. And when you're talking about hospitals and schools and any police, fire, Mm -hmm. anything that has to do with the basic needs of our populace, natural gas is a critical component in backing all of that up. And it's one of those things we take for granted, essentially. Most of us don't think about how the house or the building or the school is being warmed and how the cooking can take place. It just happens until there's some sort of interruption of some sort. That's correct, but I'd also like to point out that natural gas is a major contributor to every aspect of our lives Mm. because your petrochemical industry works with natural gas and natural gas liquids, Mm -hmm. and the petrochemical industry produces polypropylene, which is the building block for just about everything that we use today. Right. All our plastics, that cell phone that I have sitting in front of me, it's all made from these components which evolve from the natural gas and natural gas liquids. The microphones we're speaking into, the headphones we're wearing, the device that the person who's listening to this conversation is using all touch the liquid natural gas world, if you will. Correct. So, folks, we're talking with Craig White. He leads PGW, Philadelphia Gas Works. And I wanted to talk with you a little bit more. We referenced infrastructure. And I know you have these fun facts at your fingertips because I just know that's who you are. And being part of the PGW family for coming up on your 40th anniversary now, these are just ingrained in your DNA. But the infrastructure of distribution, how many miles of pipeline do we have across the city of Philadelphia when it comes to PGW? And at the same time, is that a competitive advantage for us, or are there things that cause us pause a little bit because of the history? One of the fun facts is 1836 is when PGW was first uh, formed, which is pretty incredible, and I think most people would be surprised to hear that. But my real point here is the infrastructure assets and how that distinguishes PGW. You look at the city of Philadelphia, and it's somewhere around 150 square miles. Well, we have 6,000 miles of underground mains and service lines. The service lines are the smaller line that go to your property or go to a business. And the mains, obviously, are your, for lack of a better term, the trunk lines that bring that supply to your neighborhoods and eventually to your house through the meter and into your appliances. So we like to say we hide in plain sight because the only thing you really see of Philadelphia Gas Works are our people. Right. And quite frankly, uh, I think our folks are recognized throughout the city and uh, we really have an emphasis on trying to make life better for our friends and neighbors. PGW is essentially everywhere. But to your point, we don't necessarily see it unless the crew is out there working or a representative is checking on the system at a home or a place of business and we encounter a colleague in that situation. But that 6,000 miles of pipeline, 
across Philadelphia that is allowing people to to stay warm and to live a great quality of life, that presents some challenges. And I know your crews are out there, especially in the colder months. And I'm not sure how big of an issue that is, or if it's just, you know, kind of a way of life as everything needs to go through a cycle of, I guess what I would call replacement and repair. Well, I will say this, we are replacing double the amount of older pipe in the last couple of years, we've upped our programs and more than doubled it. And we have the same workforce. Mm. So our folks, our guys and gals that are out there performing this work are doing an outstanding job. They really Uh, are. And, you know, this is a testament to our non-union and our union workforce. And we have a great working relationship between ourselves in management and our union workforce and leadership. And I think that's been key to a lot of the success. A couple of decades ago, You may not have looked as favorably at PGW as you would today from the standpoint of how the companies run, the financial situation that we're in, and the operational condition of the company. With respect to that pipe replacement, we're going to be replacing 1,400 miles of cast iron, which was state-of-the-art back in the day, with either plastic or welded steel. Okay. And we plan to replace every bit of that. And the plan is to replace it in a very targeted, processed, structured way before an emergency occurs, which to your point, your team is fantastic in doing that measured rollout, but I'm also amazed at how quickly your teams respond when there is a situation. It's almost instantaneous, it feels like. And the PUC oversees this, but we've always had standards at PGW, even before we fell under the state regulator. We have a goal that we always meet which is 96% of all leak calls responded to in less than one hour. Wow. I would say the average is probably down at less than a half an hour. Right. So uh, in some instances, we have a crew that's in the immediate area. It may feel like we were there before the call came in. But in essence, our crews are dispatched throughout the city. I would almost liken it to you have fire stations throughout the city. Right. And you have to be able to get to that fire quickly. Well, in our case, if we get a call from a customer, They smell gas. We want to get there as quickly as possible because the speed at which we get there reduces the risk materially. Right. And also reduces the stress (laughs) (laughs) among the person who's calling, I'm sure. So, Craig, what is it about PGW that surprises you as its CEO and as a 40-year or so employee? And what do you think it is about PGW that would surprise the average observer, the average uh, customer or resident of Philadelphia? Well, I think what I always find very uh, unique, and that is when our folks are in industry meetings and we are dealing with the best and the brightest from other utilities around the country that are not municipally owned, not only do we hold our own, but due to the fact that we are a mid-sized company and our employees get an opportunity to do a lot of different things, their skill sets are really advanced. And the biggest challenge for us is we've got a lot of young, bright employees and we need to retain them because our primary function is safety. Right. And we want to be reliable, but we want to be safe. And having that continuity, and we have a lot of continuity. We have a lot of folks that have been there for a long time. But when we get these very good employees, we want to keep them. Right. So I think one of the things that people find unique about PGW is the knowledge level that our staff has when they are in various situations. When I have folks attend meetings on my stead, I always get a call. Hey, so-and-so that you sent over, they were great. Right. So 
I think the public uh, might be a little surprised at that, but it's in fact, it's the case. And that's a really good distinguishing factor that I don't think we should take for granted, because one, it's really important to attract talent, and it sounds like your team has been successful in doing just that, but it's a whole other thing to retain talent, and I don't want this to sound you know kind of off-kilter here, but it's that balance of how do you make a, a municipal-owned utility like PGW a cool place to work for young people who are coming out of college, who are in high school thinking about what's their career path, whether it's through a four-year college and university track or whether it's right into the workforce through a trade apprentice-type program. Because at PGW, there's all kinds of different jobs from you know the white-collar C-suite level in finance and administration and operations to that real grassroots, on-the-ground engineering and technical type of person that has to really be uh, in the trenches, if you will, literally and figuratively. Absolutely. I can't say we do this exclusively, The industry as a whole has been for a couple of decades now very much in tune with what different generations look for. Baby boomers like myself, they say identify themselves based upon their careers, their jobs. Right. They say millennials, it's what they do out of work. And we try to create circumstances where people want to come to PGW and want to stay there. We have affinity groups. We have different organizations throughout the organization that folks want to join. There's individuals that you know are very environmentally conscious. We have a group right. that does an awful lot of work around the company and outside the company in support of the environment. So there's groups like that. We have a technical forum, which attracts a lot of our engineers and information systems individuals. So we try to create an environment where folks get, not only do they feel as if they're welcome and they have opportunities, but they have groups that they can also participate with of interests that they have that may be parallel to interests they have outside of the workplace. That's really smart. And I love that. You were talking earlier about how PGW thinks of itself as a family. And you and your dad literally were part of that kind of uh, example. But more importantly, today, when organizations like PGW are creating these environments, you need to have that kind of uh, diverse offering so that when people come around the kitchen table at PGW, the family, there's something for everybody. And it sounds like your team is doing just that. I think that, you know, one of the strongest points that our employees make to me is that I get the opportunity to attend a lot of outside meetings and symposiums where I'm learning, I'm bringing that technology advancements that I hear about, I'm bringing them back to the company. I mean, right now, we're very focused on things that were not part of our sales and marketing agenda a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Things like combined heat and power, where we actually use natural gas to produce electricity, and then the waste heat is actually used in the building to heat water, to possibly heat the building, actually even cool the building with absorption cooling. Hmm. So this is a way that you can add resiliency to a customer's situation and at the same time save them a lot of money because it's very efficient. Folks, we're talking with Craig White. He's president and CEO of Philadelphia Gas Works, PGW. And one of the things that we're really fortunate to have in our greater Philadelphia community and specifically in the city of Philadelphia is a great team of academic business and civic leaders who get involved. And Craig actually is very involved with our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia's Energy Action Team. We call it GPEAT. So folks are aware, 
we at Select Greater Philadelphia who produce this podcast and radio program, we're part of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia as well. And we're partnering with our Chamber family and the GP team specifically to help shine a spotlight on everything that's happening when it comes to our energy infrastructure and our energy assets. So, Craig, why I'm bringing this up is because the diversity of energy resources that we have available in this region is really unique and dynamic. And I was hoping as a representative of GP, you could talk a little bit about that because I know your expertise is in LNG and gas, but there's so much more to the energy infrastructure and the energy story in this community. Well, it's not just in the community, it's in the state at large because you have to start by looking at what happened less than a decade ago with the advancements in horizontal drilling. We often hear lots of jokes about the word fracking. Well, fracking has been done for 100 years. That's the old way that you would drill a well. You'd actually drill the well, and then you would frack at the bottom of that well. What they do today now is drill one well, go to uh, various depths. With horizontal drilling, they go out one or two miles in all directions Mm -hmm. and actually then frack from that position and can extract a lot more natural gas at a much cheaper price, which means we have a huge abundance. And that abundance has really created some national security. I was at a meeting not long ago where the Secretary of Energy, Perry, made the point that we're no longer going to send thousands and thousands of our finest young people to some foreign country to fight over energy. And it's because we have energy right here. So I thought that was a real interesting point. We also have a region that could be the The next, when I say region, not necessarily just Philadelphia, but the state at large and Mm -hmm. maybe even parts of West Virginia, Ohio. And we're talking about the petrochemical industry, which right now is limited to the Gulf Coast, Texas, Louisiana area, which is subject to uh, natural disasters that could really impact the country in a very negative way through national security and, you know, our economy. So there's just a great advantage to what we have here in Pennsylvania and parts of West Virginia and Ohio. We also, in the Philadelphia region, we also have a great diversity of energy assets. And I think you're going to see that we're going to have an expanding use of renewables. One of the excellent things that this administration has done is through the sustainability group, has looked for ways to use energy in a more efficient and cleaner way. And in tandem with Philadelphia Gas Works and natural gas, because natural gas is by far the cleanest fossil fuel. And from my standpoint, I want to use that fuel as efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. And when you generate power locally, as opposed to maybe a central generating facility that's using natural gas or coal, when you generate it locally, you can do it if you use CHP in using half the natural gas that you would use otherwise. Right. So what we believe is... You know, the brilliance of what's going on right now is we're looking for ways to do things more efficiently at PGW and cheaper. We're looking to add resiliency and redundancy and to also support whatever renewable assets we can bring to bear as well. I don't want that to get lost, Craig, because I think it's a really important point that your organization of PGW isn't looking at renewables as competition. You're looking at renewables as complementary to the services that you can provide, and you can do it by working together in a collaborative way. Absolutely. I think you know the Greater Philadelphia Energy Action Team. We've gone a long way to encourage entities that aren't in the fossil fuel space, but basically in the energy space. Right. And we've got some real interesting points of view. And I always find that I learn a lot more. I like to kid around about the fact that I used to have an individual on my team, and I never agreed with one thing he 
said, but he was probably my most valuable individual because he got me thinking. Yeah. And I realized that there were um, other points of view that had to be considered. And those points of view, I think, have to be considered in any forum, especially at the Greater Philadelphia Energy Action Team. And we're doing that. I want you to keep your GPEAT hat on for a moment and talk with us a little bit about that balance between import and export. And where I'm going with all this, Craig, is this balance of energy demands. And in this region, in the city, in southeastern Pennsylvania, northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, do we have the ability to keep up with demand? And how do we balance that with exporting to other parts of the country and, frankly, other parts of the world that are customers of those who are extracting and refining a variety of different gases that other parts of the world actually need? The short answer is I definitely think we have the ability to keep up with the ever-increasing demand for power. This country has always had an increasing demand for power, and that's going to continue. You know, one of the things that is, I guess, a little disheartening to folks on the wind and solar side of the equation is, you know, they're increasing by leaps and bounds, but the total demand is increasing by a greater amount. Right. So we're having trouble actually staying up with that demand from the standpoint of creating enough renewable supply to match that growing demand. But that being said, that could change over time. Sure. And that's where natural gas becomes such a great additional asset. You have nuclear power, which is also a great asset. You know, you have coal, which is systematically being taken out of the mix because of the greenhouse gas emissions and other emissions. So I believe that we do have the ability to meet the region's demands. And I think the region is going to continue to have this insatiable need for more and more energy. With respect to exporting, there's not a lot of exporting that happens in this particular region. Matter of fact, we don't have any exports going out of Philadelphia, at least by ship. We export by truck and hopefully eventually maybe by rail. Mm -hmm. But one of the ways that energy moves around is through a concept called displacement. And this is what makes our liquefied natural gas, our LNG, so valuable. We can actually turn that liquid back into a vapor and deliver gas to another site on that same day. Right. So we can do it through that interstate pipeline that we have reserved space on. We rent space on the pipeline. So um, there's a lot of things happening in the industry right now. It's a very nimble industry. Power and natural gas have to be nimble, you know, to meet demands that are on us at this time. It sounds like it's a super exciting time to actually be in the energy space and to be part of the PGW family as well. I know you referenced this, Craig, so I hope I'm not being too redundant when I ask this, but if you could touch on LNG a little bit more and what it actually means for our region. You've referenced it, but it sounds like it's really at a tipping point where it's, it's transformational to... PGW and to the region in general. Right. Well, first of all, LNG, and we should have probably said this a half hour ago, there's a process. The short version of it is you take natural gas and you take it to 260 degrees below Fahrenheit and you turn it into a liquid. Now, okay. there's a lot more to that process than what I just described, yeah. but the temperature gives you an idea how we take it from a vapor state and we put it in a liquid state. And the reason you do that is you can fit 600 times more 
natural gas in the same space. Hmm. And then when you need that natural gas, you turn it back into a vapor by heating it up. Gotcha. So liquefied natural gas can be used in shipping in the future. It can be used in trains. It's used right now in long-haul trucking. It's used in high-horsepower equipment. And of course, many utilities like PGW, like our neighbors, Pico, they have a liquefied natural gas facility out in Conshohocken. We Mm -hmm. have one in the Richmond section of town and in South Philly. And the liquefied natural gas gives us such an opportunity to move gas from the cheaper time of the year when it's cheaper to buy it in, in the summer and use it in the winter when it's more expensive. I mean, the price goes up typically mm-hmm. when you have weather like we're experiencing today. So I think that liquefied natural gas is really a great opportunity for Philadelphia Gas Works because as equipment has gotten much more efficient over time in people's homes And as the temperatures have gotten a lot warmer, and I'm not sure they'll stay this warm, but for the last decade plus, we've had a lot of warm winters. Mm -hmm. And with that, we've basically freed up space in our liquefied natural gas tanks to do other commercial things than what we've done with that liquefied natural gas prior to today. Sure. Prior to now, we just used it for our customers in that winter summer. Right. Well, we don't need as much now. So we're taking that LNG and we're going to be in the commercial market selling that. Mm -hmm. And what that does for PGW is that's money that we can use to reduce the size of a rate increase or avoid a bond sale. Mm -hmm. These are all things that cost customers more money. Right. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep the cost down. That makes perfect sense. You're almost creating, not almost, you are, you're creating a new revenue stream that allows you to generate revenue that offsets the cost that payers would normally have to invest in to operate and enjoy the work that a PGW provides for them. I do want to pivot to a quick question that touches on other uses for LNG, because it's near and dear to our team at Select Greater Philadelphia. And for folks who, who may not be as familiar, Select's focus is on business attraction. How do we get companies from around the world who don't have any operations in Greater Philadelphia to consider establishing their operations here in Philadelphia. So specifically, we've talked about industries that require a lot of energy, whether it's manufacturing and bringing manufacturing back to this community, other kinds of processing that needs a lot of energy. And I'd love for you to touch on this whole chicken and the egg, if you will, type of story that if we build more infrastructure, then we'll have more offerings for companies who need access to gas, who can then create a new manufacturing plant that creates new jobs, et cetera. Well, the chicken and the egg is that there's no one out there that will spend the money to build the infrastructure. It's like field of dreams, build it and they will come. Right. Well, there's no one that will spend the money, which is in the hundreds of millions of dollars, right. and have a pipeline that's not filled. So you look at the manufacturing side of the equation, they're not going to build a plan here unless they know that the natural gas can be delivered to the plant. Right. So that's the chicken and egg. If you don't build it, there's a possibility that the manufacturing community will not come. Right. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to use existing assets. I mean, you look at one of the pipelines project that is out there right now, it's repurposing an old oil pipeline. Right. In the case of PGW, years ago, we repurposed an old naphtha. Naphtha is a petroleum product. We repurposed that line and we used it to serve a very large customer on our system. So there's ways to increase your ability and provide that security of supply that manufacturing will need. But the number one item that's attracting anyone to this region is the fact that that Marcellus and Utica Shale 
is so near, mm-hmm. it adds a certain level of security. When you're buying gas offshore Gulf Coast, onshore yep. Gulf Coast, you have quite a distance to move that gas, and there's risk there. Mm-hmm. Risk being that it might not get here. Right. They could have freeze-offs. They could have failures. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about natural gas in the region, in the state of Pennsylvania, people look at that and say, okay, now I'm close to the lifeblood I need to keep my organization operational. Right. So I want to be close to that source in order to get better access to it. Correct. So that in itself, to your point, is a really good motivator for companies to say, hey, southeastern Pennsylvania is a great place for us to go. And we saw a little bit of this, frankly, with our friends out in southwestern Pennsylvania with the new shell cracker that's being constructed in that part of our neighborhood, if you will. Correct. That shell cracker is probably the first of maybe three more that will be uh, constructed. And that will really turn this region, when I say region, the Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, tri-state area into a hotbed for polypropylene and the building blocks of many of the products that you see that are used throughout the country and abroad. And that's all what we're trying to focus on as well at Select Greater Philadelphia and at GPEAT. How do we create an opportunity? How do we take that opportunity that's happening in central and western Pennsylvania so that companies see the chance to establish and grow their operations here because of access to natural gas that they can use to fuel their growth? And I think that's exactly right. I think they want to be here. You know, I think the very recent Amazon experience Mm -hmm. has taught us that we have an awful lot of pluses in this region. We're in the Mid-Atlantic. We're in a great location. We have tremendous institutions of higher learning. We've got great infrastructure. We have the PJM, the uh, independent system operator that dispatches all the electricity in the 13 states plus the District of Columbia. And it's considered the preeminent independent system operator in the country. So we have tremendous assets here in in our knowledge base and just uh, our location and our proximity to things that are important to folks that are interested in moving billion-dollar assets into the region. That's right. One of our other great assets, frankly, is PGW. And I'm not just saying that, Craig, because you're sitting right here. Your team has great talent as well, and you're providing a resource in such a professional way that, again, most of us take it for granted, but it's a true asset. Folks, we've been talking with Craig White. He's president and CEO of Philadelphia Gas Works. We're really fortunate, Craig, to have you leading PGW, and we're also fortunate to have you so actively involved in our community from a business perspective, from a civic perspective, from an academic engagement perspective and couldn't be more appreciative of your role with our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia, your support of Select Greater Philadelphia, and your role co-chairing GP, the Greater Philadelphia Energy Action Team. Craig, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be part of our program. Matt, thank you, and thank you for the great job that you folks do over at the Chamber. Growing Greater Philadelphia is supported in part by many of our investors and partners, including Liberty Property Trust. They're a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Liberty Property Trust has been creating environments that have been helping businesses realize their full potential for nearly 50 years. To learn more about the Philadelphia Navy Yard and other Liberty Properties, visit libertyproperty.com. And by Drexel University. Drexel was founded in 1891. They're one of the region's top 10 private employers with three campuses in Philadelphia. Learn more about Drexel University at drexel.edu. Check out all of our podcasts on radio.com and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia. Philadelphia.